podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What a beautiful break that was from Derby County. And one job cheated Manchester United's defence with absolute contempt. Is the end of the nightmare finally in sight? You're listening to Steve Bloomers washing the Derby County podcast. After a fortnight which saw the Rams close the gap further in their improbable survival quest and what could be a key breakthrough in that legal process which has pushed our club to the very brink. Uh, there's no celebrations yet, of course. This is the Derby way, so there will undoubtedly be more twists and turns in the road. But uh, joining me, Chris Parsons, in sharing some cautious optimism are Anton Martin. How you doing, mate? Yeah, good. Very well, actually. Fresh from uh, a week down in Cornwall. Um, so oh, Lovely job. Cornwall in February. Incredible Cornwall scenes. in February, yeah. Very risky on the weather front, but we actually got very lucky. We, uh, we had one or two days of rain and mostly sun. We got back before the bad weather hit this weekend, so... Very nice. Did you break the sea? Did you get in the sea? Uh, I got in the sea up to about my shin for about five seconds. And that was <laughs> well, still counts. <laughs> still counts. And also joining us is a man who thought the phrase private accord meant getting a lift home in a Honda. It's Richard Kutcher. How you doing? <laughs> yes, yes. Very good. Thank you, Chris. Uh, yeah, as uh, I think people might remember that when we went into administration uh, back in September, I was actually in Ukraine at the time and I was meant to be in Ukraine this weekend. But um, due to uh, geopolitical situations, uh, I'm not there and I'm back uh, still in uh, in London for now. So, yeah, great to be back on the pod. So downside potential for World War Three, but upside, you know, <laughs> we do get to do the pod with you as we would normally. So swings and roundabouts for me, really. Yeah, I mean, and I'll, it means I can go to uh, Peterborough on Saturday. Peterborough at home, I'll be going, and I'll be taking my girlfriend for her first derby game as well. So, uh, yeah, definitely some some upsides to Vladimir uh, <laughs> Putin's aggression. <laughs> the impending end of uh, Western civilization. Great, good stuff. Well, um, don't forget that Steve Bloomer's Washing is partnered, of course, with Derby Brewing Company, Derby's original craft brewer. So do check them out. But to uh, to kick things off in this pod, Anton and Kutch, I just want a number from both of you first off. We'll save all the off-field stuff just for now. We'll get to that later, of course. Plenty of developments there. But we all know how remarkable the Derby County fight back has been this season. I think Sky said it about six times after the... Uh, um, after a recent TV game, um, 20 points adrift in early December and just four points adrift now. I did some crunching of the numbers and in the last 10 championship seasons, the side who has ended up finishing 21st, so just outside the bottom three, has finished with a points total of, wait for it, 44, 49, 44, 43, 51, 49, 46, 44, 55, and 48. Although obviously a few points deductions chucked in there for good measure, but you get the idea. Anton, you first. The fight back is continuing. How many points do you think keeps us in this division this season? And secondly, most importantly, 
can we get them? Yeah, I, I actually went through a very similar exercise to what you just explained, Chris. And it's, it's difficult to compare to previous seasons, of course, because every season is different. But I mean, there are quite a few clustered around the low 40 mark. And, and based on the fact that the three teams around us are particularly poor this year, and you also throw in Reading's point deduction into that, you're probably looking at, at low 40s, the lower end of that scale. Um potentially even high 30s, I would say. So, I mean, if you if you look at what we're on now, we're on 18, so you're looking at around about 22 points um, between now and the end of the season, around about six wins and a few draws mixed in to that. So I guess if, if you look at our remaining fixtures, there are, there are four real standouts, four at home against current teams in, in the bottom eight. They have to be the ones that we're really kind of... Um, Putting a, putting a pencil around and targeting for three points because if, I mean, and it is a big if because we all know football doesn't necessarily work like this and, and often doesn't, but if we were to win those four at home against the current bot- bottom eight, then you're only looking at two more wins from the remaining games plus a few other draws in and around it, so which which suddenly like looks much more doable. Um, but I, I mean, com- more importantly, I think comparing those fixtures to the other sides around us, the picture actually looks e- even rosier. And I, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves um, here, but I just want to kind of be a little bit optimistic because even though Reading and Peterborough both have games in hand on us, when you look at games against teams in the bottom eight, actually each of Derby, Reading, Peterborough and Barnsley all play exactly the same number of games against the bottom eight, which is five. But the key difference is, is home versus away. We have four of those five games at home. Reading have just two, Peterborough have two, and Barnsley have three. So if, if those games are, are, do go to, to home advantage, which um, all, all of those teams are much better at home than they are away this season, then that gives us the two-win buff, two buffer on Reading, and we only have to match the other teams for the remainder of the games against the top eight and the middle eight, and, and suddenly we, that, that gives us enough to, to make up those points. So... Yeah, around about 40 points. Um, but fixture-wise, we potentially have the slight edge. Really interesting, that, Kirch, because I just looked at, glanced at the table again. I think I'm right in thinking I've only won twice away. Is it only Hull and Stoke, I think? Unless I've missed someone out there. Um, so, yeah, seven wins at home, only two away. That's a really interesting point Anton makes there, isn't it? Do you think home advantage could be a big factor there? What's your take on what the magic number could be for Derby and how likely we are to achieve it. Yeah, great, great, uh, great analysis there from Anton. Uh, gone a little more deep diving than I've been doing uh, in the last few days. But um, yeah, I think for me, I said this on Twitter the other day, it's not really about the points. It's such an, obviously it's about the points. <laughs> Whoever has the most points will stay up. But it's really hard to project what that number will be this year. I think if you get 40, you'll probably stay up. If you think that, yeah, the number to stay up often is between 40 and 50. But this isn't a normal season. You know, you've got minus 21 for Derby, you've got minus six for Reading. If those points are added back on, Peter and Barnsley will be very much cut adrift. And you, you not often do have a couple of teams who are cut adrift, who aren't going to be really competing to, to stay up. I'm not saying Peter won't stay up. I think it probably is between Reading, Peterborough and Derby to, to stay up now. But um, yeah, for me, it's just, can we win one more game than Peterborough between now and the end of the season? Can we win two more games in Reading between now and the end of the season. You look at both of their forms um, and the way that they play, you think that's more than doable. I mean, we do have to 
make sure we pick up those wins as as Anton said at home the home is going to be key for us if we do stay up it will probably will because of our home record we've got games you know this month alone Peterborough at home Millwall at home Luton away and I'd put Luton away in that bracket of somewhere we've got to go and get some points if you know at least one point tough place to go though catch it, 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 it is a tough place to go in there. They're in good form. But if you look at games where, you know, you'd expect I'd have more confidence getting something at Luton than picking up something at home against Fulham, for example. We've, we've got to pick up a few surprising results. We've got to beat those teams around us and we've got to pick up a few surprising results as well. So for me, it's very, very doable still. I'm glad that there hasn't been a, a huge meltdown um, after the Millsborough game because, of course, any point we can get is a great point, but they're not the games that are gonna gonna keep us up this season. For me, it's very doable because I'm just looking at it as can we win two more than Reading, one more than Peterborough. Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying not to get too carried away, really, because if you think about how much we've cut the gap, we've cut the gap by 16 points, or we've we've achieved like a, a 16 point gain in two months. Like if we carry on at this trajectory, we'll be like home and hose by the. In, in about six weeks' time, but we all know it doesn't work like that because Reading and Peterborough and Barnsley just cannot continue to be as bad as they have been so far. Like, what is it now for Reading? And we're going to get onto them later, but what, seven defeats in a row? Um, eight, eight in a row. Eight defeats in a row. Barnsley have won three games all season. Peterborough have lost 19 out of 29 games this season. I just refuse to believe that one or more of those teams won't just have a little uptick a little um a little pickup in form and make a bit of a fight of it surely but it feels like Saturday is massive against Peterborough and if we get to that point and win it maybe we're almost at the point where it could be back in our hands or getting towards that but anyway more on that a bit later because as you mentioned Kutch there wasn't too much of a bad reaction to what is on the face of it a pretty damaging defeat at Middlesbrough in the uh, the Mel Gibson derby, as uh, as, as nobody me, nobody but me is calling it, uh, a four one defeat at the Riverside um, in Derby's most recent game. I just came away from it feeling a bit like, is it possible to feel like we were second best overall, but we were also unlucky because it felt like a game where both of those things definitely happened. I mean, Rooney seemed to almost think so himself. He did say in his post-match, the performance wasn't as bad as the scoreline suggests. Um, And if you look at the manner of the goals we conceded, you know, one of them did take a a massive deflection. Uh, One of them scored by someone who arguably shouldn't have been on the pitch. But at the same time, Kutch, you can't really make much of an excuse for the fact that we did concede four away from home and the, the result was probably fair, if not flattering to the home side. Yeah, I think the result was certainly fair. I mean, it's hard to disagree when it's 4-1, even if you think it, the scoreline flatters the opposition. I think it's hard to disagree that you know we, we could have picked out something from that game. On another day, uh, maybe we do match them up a bit better. We, don't, we do cut out some of those mistakes. Most of those goals were our own downfall but the first one I don't want to be too harsh on Liam Thompson because actually it's just a slightly poor touch he is trying to clear it up the line which was the right decision but I think it was a poor touch which let the ball get away from him he got he got the clearance got blocked the ball comes in and and I think Buchanan deflects it into into our goal for an own goal um I thought that uh their number 35 is I think it's Isaiah Jones definitely Jones the right winger and he was he was highlighted on quest but I think he was involved in three of the four goals 
really gave us a problem down our left-hand side all match. Looks a real player, fine from lower divisions, uh, from non-league, in fact. I think they're just a better team than us. And we we are going to have games like that between now and the end of the season. And as, as we said earlier, hopefully it comes against uh, teams that are kind of in that top end of the table. It won't have too much of an impact. But look, Derby went there. The squad is still struggling a little bit. You know, we're, we're missing, still missing Stearman out for that game. Uh, Kazim Richards out. Uh, uh, Josviak still out. Uh, Rafa Morrison just back on the bench and he gave the ball away again stupidly when he came on. Um, so the squad in times like this, the squad looks light. I think it's really hard for us to compete currently against um, teams of that quality and that depth, the kind of players that they can bring off the bench. So it seemed like a a match full of effort as we come to expect from this Derby County team, but the, the quality was lacking and some of the old mistakes uh, trying to play out from the back of the kind of snuck back in as well. Yeah, Anton, two of the goals, as we've said there, were massive gifts. The the first goal, as Kutcher said, Thompson trying to clear it up the line and then it's uh, and then what well, Buchanan trying to cut out the cross just diverts it into his own net. And then the fourth goal, um, our old friend playing out from the back, um, rearing its ugly head once again. The f- the fact is, good squad or or creaking squad or weak squad, we, we just won't stay up by making that number of sloppy mistakes every game, will we? Because we, we, we're not going to score three every week. No, we, we won't. Um, but I mean, I don't mind getting all of the mistakes in, in one game against a, a Middlesbrough side who, as Kutch said, that's not going to be the game that defines our season. They're, there's no team that's taken more points from their last 10 games. They've got arguably one of the best managers in 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 the division and much more more depth than us so if we can get rid of all of our mistakes in that game and then not make any in in some of the more important upcoming games then then that's absolutely fine i mean on, on the mistakes yes they were frustrating to to concede liam thompson i'm i'm more than happy to give um, some slack because I mean we've praised him so much in in recent weeks for for his confidence on the ball and his willingness to to receive the ball in in an all manner of situation. So so taking it on in the corner like that, even though he did lose it, I'm happy for him to to be confident enough to try something um, and and be on the ball. Basically, it, yes, it wasn't the correct decision, but as long as he learns from that and doesn't do it again, then that's absolutely fine. I don't think Buchanan can do much with that cross because he has to get something on it, and it was, it was unfortunate just to, to divert it into his own box. And equally, the fourth goal, I'm, I'm almost willing to, to write off a little bit because, yes, we, we played ourselves into trouble, but we did have a huge number of players pushed forward, so there were a lack of options to pass it to in, in, in the... The, um, our defensive third and, and Rooney wants us to play in that way but when you've got no options it's, it's very difficult so we got ourselves in a bit of a muddle but let's be honest the game was probably gone by that point we were, were going to struggle to score another two away at a, a very good Middlesbrough side so um, yeah I mean it's, it's a disappointing result but I'm happy to write it off and as long as we move on and, and don't dwell on that performance too much which our playing staff and coaching staff have done very well so far I think we'll be okay. What did you both make of the uh, performance of celebrity A-list ref Mike Dean? Um, I mean, the, the, the one to mention is clearly the the, the arguable sending off that he missed of uh, of Matt Crooks in the um, in the first half. Uh, what what I felt was a red card challenge. I had some Borough fans 
in my mentions telling me it clearly wasn't. Obviously, I just didn't really bother replying in the end. But you look at it again, he's 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 out of control. I'm pretty sure at least one of his feet was off the floor. He basically like bodies bird like in the in the stomach with one leg and and smashes him in the shin with the other leg. And it just seemed at best a clumsy challenge. And especially when you compare it to the likes of what Stearman did against Huddersfield and um, what Morrison got sent, got sent off for as well. It's different refs, different games, different circumstances. But I really did feel that that could have been a red in a lot of other different games. Um, and then obviously he went on to score Middlesbrough's third goal <laughs> later on. But what was your take on that particular incident? Yeah, so predictable that he goes on to score as well. I mean, for me, yeah, it may well be a red. Um I'd be fine if those kind of challenges were yellows if they were consistently yellows. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's the consistency which which just irritates me. You know, you look at the Ravel Morrison one against Forest. You look at the the Stearman one against Huddersfield. You look at the Lewis Grabham one from Forest on at against Derby, which was just a yellow in the same game as the Ravel Morrison one. Morrison one. And it's just a consistency that really really grinds. And again, if it was kind of if we hadn't had our own examples of those challenges being reds um before then that being a yellow i kind of wouldn't have probably been that bothered about but it's the fact that it doesn't they don't seem to be any consistency you're meant to have a premier league ref there obviously it was a big occasion the efl were understandably worried about what might happen in the match and i can kind of understand what a parachuted in uh big name mike dean uh, into the game but yeah, I, there was some, there was a few other instances which I saw. I wasn't at the game, but saw fans talking about. And I think he took out Christian Bielek at one point, which uh, almost led to a Millsborough chance. Um, and there was some other other interesting decisions throughout the match. So just just poor. But we, unfortunately, we've become pretty used to, uh, to to poor refereeing and be on the end of some pretty shocking decisions. Yeah, it's, it's one of those that, which is kind of an orange card. I, w- I would agree with um, what you said there, Kutch, that it's it's more the consistency that is the frustrating element of that. Chris Coles actually made a, a really good point on sports scene um, on Saturday, which I, I thought exactly the same at the time, that potentially because Mike Dean was in charge of that game, it might have played against us in, in a sense that consistency is, is different between Premier League referees and Championship referees, especially because the Premier League has VAR. Those kind of challenges often go unpunished at first, but then get picked up through VAR um, at a later date because referees know that they can fall back on that. So if Mike Dean's refing that as a Premier League game, that is probably the correct decision so he doesn't hold up play. But that's not what you do in the Championship. And, and maybe that did actually cost us in the end. Yeah, it's interesting to see uh, what Rooney said as well about, uh, again, being pretty honest on his uh, tactical selections after the Middlesbrough game, just said he took full responsibility in that he uh, he tried, he said, I tried something and it didn't work, talking about uh, leaving Tom Lawrence and Luke Plange up for when we were defending or when we didn't have the ball with a view to, to trying to keep Borough players back and keep us high up the pitch and get us territory. He said it didn't work. I mean, it looked to me like there were times when it, it did work a little bit, but... I guess if you if you lose the game in the manner we did, the the overall point is is that it wasn't effective in the way that you hoped it would be. Um, so interesting to see how he how he goes against Peterborough with that tactic, although that's at home against a weaker side. Um, at home, it tends to be Plange and Lawrence and Festy Ebersaley, Kutch, who I was quite surprised to see 
in the second half against Borough, and we were told he had a bit of a bit of a hammy problem, had a bit of a hamstring uh, twinge, and and was on the bench. I was just <laughs> watching from my from my hands whenever he got the ball, and just waiting for the moment where he started hobbling or, or pulled up after skinning a, a Middlesbrough fullback. But he uh, well, he lasted the game, so that's that's good news. Um, and that was off the back of a wonderful performance from him against uh, against Hull City in the 3-1 win at Pride Park um, a few days before the Borough game. But one of the best individual performances from a Derby player this season, I, I did a brief scan of some of the stats and, and the players who've, who've ranked particularly highly for Derby individually, like uh, Lawrence against Sheffield United was like a an 8.6, I think, on, on who scored. Um, Lawrence against... Uh, Bournemouth, where he got a brace there. I think he was about an 8.1, which is what Festy got against uh, against Hull City. Here's one from the archives. Uh, Keller Roos got an 8.6 against West Brom away in uh, whenever that was at the start <laughs> of the season when he, he pulled off a few heroics, I seem to remember, in that nil-nil draw. I just enjoyed watching Festy so much against, against Hull. It was just felt like the game where he really came of age. Um, have you really seen many Derby players play much better than he did in that game this season? I think, yeah, the Tom Lawrence one is the obvious against Sheffield United because just the quality of both the goals. But, you know, Abisale was involved in so much against Hull City. Gave them a, a, gave their left back a real tough time. I think possibly uh, shots at Avaladze would probably look back and say that he got his tactics hor- horribly wrong all round against, against Derby. It seemed like quite a, quite a straightforward match for, for us. I mean, the, the only other one, I mean, Christian Bielik against Birmingham City must have been a 9.5 in, in the 20 minutes he played uh, <laughs> in that game. <laughs> yeah, uh, so maybe, maybe that would be up there. But I mean, Ebersale, like almost every other uh, Derby County youngster or any youngster when they're in their first kind of season or, or, or season and a half in the first team, he will be hot and cold. Uh, I believe Millsbrook kind of doubled up on him. Uh, at the weekend when he did come on and he struggled uh, against that. Maybe that he was still feeling his hamstring, although you'd think that if there was any question mark over that, Derby wouldn't have risked him in, in that second half because I think we'd, you'd love to have him starting against against Peterborough on Saturday because it just gives defences something horrible and difficult to consider and, and to deal with. So for me, Ebersele is, is one of, after the likes of Curtis Davis, Tom Lawrence, Max Byrne and, and possibly... Uh, Luke Plange, I'd say, you know, Ebersad is one of our, our most important players in this running because we just know that he can create something out of nothing or, or completely change a match within 50 metres in the space of, what, five seconds? <laughs> You'd imagine, Anton, that a lot of teams will now start to do what Borough did, like basically doubling up on on Festi Ebersadley, like putting one to, to go tight to him and then someone else about 10 yards away because once he gets past that first man... It's, you know, he's getting to the byline unless you stick someone else on him. So do you think Festi has, is going to have to adapt his game or, or Rooney's going to have to um, deploy him in a different way for the rest of the season, perhaps? I, I don't necessarily think so. I mean, there's no greater compliment for Ebersele than the opposition to put two men on him. And and he knows his strengths and, and we know his strengths. I don't, I, I think it boils down to the fact that it, it is a team game at the end of the day. And if the opposition have got two men on Festi Abisele, then we've got much more space on the left-hand side for the likes of Lawrence and, and other players in the attacking third to make the most of. If if we've got Abisele, um kind of taking up that kind of defence, then um, it's, it's only a good thing for the team. Um, but, I mean, who greater 
to to coach Ebersani through that than one of the best attacking players that this country has seen, who every single game probably had two players on him at all times. In Wayne Rooney, he'll, he'll be able to um, coach him through that, let him know kind of what he needs to do and how to make the most of that, not just for himself, but for the team generally. As I've said, I, I just love watching him. It's just uh, it's just incredible to see his his development. Um, the chance still hasn't caught on yet, has it, lads? That, that's my one disappointment with him. But we just can't. I mean, I, I dropped it in a Twitter again a few times and picked up a few more retweets. But it just it hasn't had that breakthrough moment yet, has it? The, the other one's too embedded, I think, Chris. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Maybe maybe the moment's gone. That ship sailed. I don't know. But uh, anyway, yeah, it's fantastic to watch. But we are going to talk about. The, uh, we're going to continue talking about the relegation battle in uh, in the second part of the podcast. But before we get to that, of course, here's, it's another plug for our Patreon service, uh, which is our extra little bit of content we're doing this season for a very small monthly fee. Consider it buying us a coffee extra month or, or a pint or half a pint, depending on where you live in the country. Um, it's an extra podcast each and every month for signing up um we've done some great interviews so far and the patreon exclusive for this month is uh, midfielder morton biscards the uh, flying danish winger who spent three years at derby from 2004 to 2007 played in uh, one playoff side that didn't get promoted and another playoff side that did get promoted so fair to say he's had, had a fair few highs and lows at derby county and he made a really interesting point which is just coming up in this clip, one of the things he told us was the similarity that he sees between the Billy Davis side that got promoted and Wayne Rooney's current Derby County squad. So yeah, head over to patreon.com slash Steve Bloomers Washing to sign up and check it out when it comes out next week. It's a little bit like the Billy Davis situation when I was there. I know that if you create that us against the world um, feeling, you could... Uh, do uh, the impossible, and that's what I think also could is is helping him right now. That all this that's going against Derby County at the moment, you could mot- is motivating the the players because we we don't really expect them to win. Or, uh, at least it's very very hard, you know, with all the players that's been leaving and and all that. So he's doing a, a great job. I've actually been looking at the statistics, statistics you know. And obviously the, 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 the defensive statistics are better than the offensive ones. But um, overall, and I, I think it is from a good defensive base, which was the same with the Billy Davis team. From a good defensive base, you can do wonders. And I think he's doing a, a great job also there. Hi, I'm Paolo Wenchop, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washington. So, boys, we did touch on it at the start of the pod, Reading and Peterborough. How many points do we need? How long will they both continue to be absolutely awful? Um, can we do it? And if we do, will it be because of them? As I said, Peterborough have lost 19 of their 29 games this season and have won just five. Although one of them, yes, was against Derby. And they're Derby's next opponents next Saturday. Even with our injury and suspension problems, Kutch, anything other than a win next week is just simply unacceptable, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know if I'd say unacceptable, but yeah, it would certainly be a blow. It would be another three points we'd have to make up on on Peterborough, um, and it is one of those home games. I just, I think, I think it's, I don't think it's a must win yet, 
but it's a it's a ninety nine percent must win if if that makes any kind of sense at all. Um, look, it, it's a three points that we absolutely can and should get in the kind of I know that you know I think we've lost four of the last five, have we? Or you know we've lost three of the last five uh, and then one draw and a win. But I, you know our form compared to uh, Peterborough and to Reading and to Barnsley, I think you'd say is certainly much much better. So. It's got to be a win on Saturday. I think it will be a win. Uh, there's only two words that concern me, and they are Jack Marriott will be coming up against uh, Derby County in a Peterborough shirt, and that that is just that screams uh, goal all over it. Yeah, I mean he did did play against us earlier in the season and and flattered to deceive. Um, I don't want to um, kind of jinx anything, but um, I I agree with you, Catch. It's, it's not a must win because there's still a lot of points to pl- be played for this season, but mm. it is one of those games that we will be targeting. I mean, I mean, the, the important thing for the coaching staff, I think, is to not build it up too much for the players, because we, we've found that the big games that we have played this season, uh, you look at the likes of Forest, Birmingham, um, the game at the weekend, we, we probably haven't been at our best. So we need to take the pressure off and, and really take one game at a time, which I think the coaching staff have been doing quite well so far. I, I found Rooney's comments after Saturday quite interesting, actually. He said um, that it was the perfect timing for a defeat like that at the weekend, mm. the first time that we've really been um, kind of hammered in terms of scoreline and it, it just kind of brings our, our our feet back to the ground um lets us know that we do have work to do and we, we have to keep on working hard if we are to get out of this so hopefully there'll be um that kind of understanding in the training ground and that effort put in in training despite the fact we are playing against a side that is is weaker certainly in terms of form and, and probably on paper their side is not as good as us um, but if we play our best and we prepare well we should um, have a really good chance for three points I think uh, yeah that's the point is we on paper we certainly are a better team and and as I said the form book and and points to date we are definitely a, a better team I think the other reason it's absolutely huge um, is unless they beat Reading midweek then if we do beat them on Saturday we will go above them and I think mentally that's going to be huge for the squad and for the fan base it's kind of another one below us um, but also, I, I saw someone say on Twitter earlier this week, and I can't remember who it is, who it was. Uh, otherwise, I would shout them out. But I think um, once we get ahead of uh, Peterborough, once we get ahead of Reading and out of that bottom three, I don't see I don't see them clawing it back. So I, I do think it's a case of once we get above them, I think we'll keep looking up uh, further from there. Um, so I think you know, if we can get ahead of Peterborough after beating him on Saturday, uh, I think that's another huge uh, leap towards uh, ultimately staying up. Talking about Reading, um, you are from there, famously. So I've dumped this one on you. Sorry about Thanks that. Thanks for reminding me. Um, <laughs> but what's, what's going on? I mean, they, they've had the points deduction, of course, but they're in the sort of run of form which would get any team relegated regardless of a points deduction um so you know you're you've got your your ears to the ground in in that part of the country like you know you've got mates who who are suffering at the Medeski at the moment what's 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 the feeling I, mean, I guess the key questions are how fearful are Reading fans about their predicament and their slide down the table and us overtaking them and will they sack their manager and I believe you've got a possible update on that one as fresh as a few hours ago 
Yeah, no, I've, I've, obviously I'm speaking to my Reading, my mates, my best mates all from home, a, a, a bunch of my Reading fans. And so I speak to them regularly about it, but I asked them for a, an update and they sent me some voice notes today and it really did sound bleak. And I'm, I, I usually have very little sympathy for Reading. I, I generally can't stand them as a football club. Um, no disrespect to my, some of my best friends, but uh, I did feel sorry for them with the, the way that they sounded on their voice notes today because they've lost eight in a row. They haven't won at home since mid-October. They've had that six-point deduction, and there's, there's a little bit of uncertainty about how likely a further six points could be to be imposed on them this season. It doesn't seem entirely clear. One of the rumours going round is that the only reason Paunovic, uh, who they, they all call Pauno, um, hasn't been sacked is because the the board fear that sacking him, which apparently reportedly would cost in the region of £250,000, would push him over the edge to get another six points deduction. Now, there are other reports coming out tonight. Uh, there seems to be some movement in Reading tonight because there's quite a few reports saying that he may well be sacked tomorrow. And one of the local press was reporting that it wouldn't result in a six-point deduction. So I don't think Derby fans should be getting too excited that Reading will get another six points. But um, one of the things my friends did say is that they would have, even if it did result in six points a month or two ago, they would have absolutely said that was worth worth getting rid of him. Because as I said, there was games in that run that they've lost eight in a row where they definitely would have picked up uh, points, maybe even you know, made up those six points within the last couple of months if they'd sacked him earlier. So they, they're desperate for him to go. He had a decent squad last season. They've been punished in similar ways to Derby in the sense they built a squad they couldn't really afford under FFP. And now now they're having to you know dismantle it with point deductions at the same time. One of the bits of business they did in January, uh, which was very odd, obviously they lost Andy Carroll because uh, they couldn't renew um, his contract or he decided he didn't want to stay. Um, they also lost their captain and defender, Liam Moore, who's one of the best defenders, one of the best centre-backs in the division. They lost him uh, in a trade with Stoke for Tom Ince, which seems like a, a bizarre bit of business. I mean, Ince, Ince will bring some quality to that team, as we know. He missed an absolute sitter against Coventry when they lost 3-2. He would have got an equaliser for them there. Um, and they have got Maite back, who's a, a really decent um, right winger as well, who, who came off the bench yes, uh, yesterday. So there are some good players going forward, but their defence, according to my mates, has just fallen apart since Liam Moore left. And and there was a meeting, apparently the, the players all met without the manager, which was reported by, I think, local radio station. Uh, basically, they, the players want the manager out. Uh, they've fallen out of the manager some time ago. So it, it seems like the opposite of the kind of the unity that we've got on the pitch under Wayne Rooney. Um, if, if they keep Paunovic, I think, they certainly will get relegated. My friends said they can't see where the next win will come from. My, one of my friends said he, he believes they won't win another, another game this season if uh, if Panovic stays in charge. But maybe there's going to be some movement on the manager front. And that's what worries me about any of those clubs. I mean, we, I think we know Peterborough won't change their manager. But if Reading change manager, there, there probably is enough quality in that squad to pick up some kind of some kind of a run. Yeah, I mean, with Reading, what's worth remembering is that however bad they are at the moment it, that that form can't continue forever and chris i mean you touched upon it earlier the likelihood is though some of those teams around us and in particular reading who do have those match winners as you explained catch they they will start picking up some points at some point so what we have to do is, is almost ignore what the other teams are doing and and just continue doing what we're doing continuing picking up points playing well and if we do that and ignore what's going on around us, as, as hard as that may seem, um, then that's the best way of approaching the, the running. On the pitch then, it's still very much up in the air. And uh, well, off the pitch, it's uh, 
still very much up in the air. Although it does feel like we have maybe just had that crucial bit of information, that crucial break in the impasse from all parties that was making things rubble on and on and on and on. Um, Steve Steve Gibson and uh, Mel Morris coming to, as I said, a private accord, speaking like two guys who are about to duel at dawn, to uh, agree <laughs> that they are going to uh, settle their differences or their compensation claims or whatever it is they've decided they want from each other. And as a result of that, Quantuma have uh, once again been quite bullish and they're finally doing interviews again, at least in the local media, immediately after that news. Uh, Andrew Hosking telling Chris Coles on Radio Derby that we can expect to announce, or they can expect to announce a preferred bidder in the next 10 days. That was on uh, that was on Saturday, I believe. Fans will be pleasantly surprised at the things, at the speed things will move now. I mean, if you say so, Andy, um, <laughs> I'll take your word for that one. And that this will be resolved and resolved quickly. Again, I'll believe it when I see it. As I said, there seems to have been the breakthrough, but we've had plenty of false dawns before and there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. So how concerned are you overall about our position as a club right now? Yeah, certainly less concerned than I was, as we've been told over and over again. And I think I've always generally believed that that was the major obstacle. If you've got a a £40 million plus claim, hanging over the club and uh, that's not getting settled or it's refusing to be dealt with, then any prospective bidder, I can completely understand why they wouldn't want to, to go ahead until I had some kind of certainty over what, where where that where that claim is uh, and, and how it's going to be dealt with. So obviously it's almost kind of ultimately half the price of the club, right? If, if you're thinking about uh 30 million odd uh to get it kind of clear the debts and 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 make sure we're not deducted 15 points plus a potential number 40 that was significant so it, it is definitely a major major breakthrough um there was obviously a lot of optimism in the administrator's voices when they spoke to radio derby at the weekend and i think it was a, a cause of celebration and i think it was uh, much needed in advance of the Darwin Borough game. I think it did take a lot of the sting out of that, which which could have got messy from from all sides. So, I think I think we can be optimistic now, as, as um, some of the supporters groups have continued to say. While there are bidders still, you know, uh, interested and wanting to uh, to put offers down, we can be hopeful there'll be a solution. And and that intervention from Mike Ashley earlier on last week, I think it was Monday. Uh, was absolutely huge. Uh, that that was very much a uh, short of Mike Ashley himself doing an interview on Sky Sports News. That was the next best thing in terms of saying that he is interested and wants to buy the club. And I don't I don't view that in the same way that we've seen other uh, people interested in the club kind of advertising their wares. Mike Ashley doesn't need to do that. He didn't need to come out and and be that public. So I think he's obviously very much in the race. If he really wants the club, I imagine he'll probably get it if he really really does want it because he has more muscle than anyone else in this game. So I think there is light at the end of the tunnel. I just think uh, I think I'm not going to get my hopes up that it will be sorted either by Peterborough or even early the week after. I think we've still got to be patient. Yeah, very interestingly worded uh, statement that, that came out about Steve Gibson and Mel Morris and their agreements. Uh, very keen to stress that it's going to stay private. I guess because it could set off all sort of chain of events legally with with counterclaims and whatnot if the the details of it come to light. I guess the long and short of it is that Mel may end up 
giving Steve Gibson some money. <laughs> Maybe all Mel wanted from that was that nobody ever gets to find out how much. But we just put it out to you guys on, on our socials to try and make a, at least a bit of brevity out of this situation. What was said? What was in the terms of the agreement? What did Mel Morris and Steve Gibson agree with each other to do? Brackets, wrong answers only, of course. Um, quite a few good responses. Uh, Matt on Twitter, he just said, one, two, three, four, I declare a thumb war. Um, we had one from uh, Dave Hansen. He said, uh, the agreement can only mean one thing, an all-inclusive weekend for two at Bubbles. Mel's treat, if you know, you know. <laughs> um, Vikramjit Singh on Twitter, he said, uh, the winner takes all, ga- takes all games on Candy Crush. The winner gets a settlement of a free scarf and a free drink. The loser has to own Middlesbrough for the rest of their lives. Um, we had another one from James Brooks. He said, Mel has agreed to stop telling people that Steve Gibson is five foot four and instead use five foot five. Um, <laughs> Arthur Bladen, he said on our Facebook that the agreement was two own goals and three points. Ouch, I see what you've done there. Um, Simon Plume said the agreement was trialed by combat. Uh, lots of people on Twitter said the agreement was that Steve Gibson now gets unlimited free lives on Candy Crush. And uh, Katie said on Twitter that the agreement is that Steve Gibson gets a photo with Festy Ebersaley. But uh, come on, lads, there's some things that money just can't buy, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't want that. Because if, if he gets a photo of Festy, it means he's in a Middlesbrough shirt, I imagine. So we definitely do not want that to be the deal. Oh, God. <laughs> I was just sick in my mouth. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I mean, to, to one of those points, I, I definitely have exchanged three points for um, the situation being resolved. So if, if that is the, the end of the road, then then fair play. Anton, where do you stand on the bidders? I know we don't really know that much about any of them, really, but the, 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 the shared knowledge seems to be that there's Mike Ashley, there's the Appleby Consortium and the Binney Consortium. Do you have a particular preference? Or do you just want any of them to take over at this stage? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself and and think there are options. As long as there is one option, that is one enough for me. Um, so I'd, I'd happily take any of them. I mean, if if I had to choose, I mean, I'd probably have a slight preference potentially for Appleby because we, we know what we're getting with it. We, we have had past experience. I guess with the Binney family, we, it's a bit more of an unknown. So in thinking about the longer term future, it's a little bit more of a gamble. Um, with Ashley, we all know that he'd run us sustainably as, as, a, as a good business um, hopefully in a similar way to he did at Newcastle but again thinking about the longer term we all know that the issues that the Newcastle fans had with Ashley so if it was a genuine choice between the three I think I'd have a slight preference for, for Appleby but I don't think beggars can be choosers. Kutch if Mike Ashley becomes Derby County owner will you do all your Christmas shopping at Sports Direct? Uh, no, I certainly won't be. Um, <laughs> I do definitely. I'm not a huge fan of some of his business practices, particularly within his um, within his retail businesses. But um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't stop that from. I wouldn't kind of hold that against him in the sense of him becoming Derby County owner. Um, I think I, I share much of Anton's analysis. I think again, uh, beggars can't be choosers, and I'd welcome with open arms any of those three. 
um, prospective bidders. As our owners, I think I would put the bidding family at the bottom of that list purely because they are an unknown quantity, as Anton said. Um, and from seeing some of the talk about their wealth, it pr looks like it may well be a leverage buyout as well, which I don't think we'd want um, as a club because uh, it would kind of attach more debt. I, I apologize if that's incorrect, but that's kind of how I've read how they would buy the club. Um, Mike Ashley, we certainly know all about him from his time at Newcastle. I think, as we've said in the podcast before, while uh, Newcastle fans have their understandable gripes with Mike Ashley, I think the only way that it works for Mike Ashley is if he ultimately gets us into the Premier League. Um, and that's when when it might get a bit tedious if it's kind of going down the Newcastle route. Although I think we'd all quite take, you know, I think we'd all take a, a, a safe Premier League club at the moment for sure. And the Appleby, we do know all about Andy Appleby and how he likes to run a football club. The backers involved this time do sound like they're different from the backers who were involved the first time with Andy Appleby. So it doesn't necessarily mean it'll be exactly the same. Um, I, I think both Appleby and Ashley, we could we could be safe that they'll uh, build a club, even if it's slowly back into a, a position of stability, either at the top end of the championship or, or in the Premier League. And, and that'll be absolutely fantastic. So I'd welcome any three of them, to be quite honest. My slight preference might be Mike Ashley because I think it it has the potential to be quite exciting, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I would take all three of them uh, quite happily, but don't make me shop at Sports Direct. <laughs> okay. 10 days. It could all be over in 10 days, boys. I just, oh my God, just just please let it be over. I just can't take any more of this. Um, definitely definitely maybe... file it in the Believe It When We See It um, file. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to believe Quantuma, but... You know, look, we've been burned before and that's all I'm really thinking about right now. But maybe, 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 maybe uh, by the time our next podcast rolls around, we'll have the best news we can possibly bring you. Um, but until then, we're going to leave it there for now, I think, boys. Um, don't forget to give us a follow on social to get more content from us on uh, on match days and uh and during the week and uh you know some mediocre memes thrown in there as well it's something for everyone basically uh over at at steve bloomer pod and steve bloomer's washing on facebook and instagram but uh Kutch, enjoy your week see you on the other side yeah thanks guys and anton always a pleasure thanks for your company thanks mate speak soon stay strong speak to you soon everyone thank you